<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts, literally, to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. I'm Mick Garris, and from Nice Guy Productions World Headquarters overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, this is Postmortem. Hollywood is a fickle beast. Careers in entertainment can be a long time coming, or they can flame on in an instant. A star can flare brightly in the public eye, but the fire can be extinguished just as quickly. For a performer in front of the camera particularly, longevity is unique. To spend a lifetime as a working actor is a feat that many of the most famous of them don't achieve. It's an accomplishment in a business that is all about finding who or what is new, making the most of their moment in the sun, and fading into obscurity. To be able to span decades in front of the camera requires talent, dedication, and maybe most importantly, versatility. And if you are lucky enough to scale those mountains, the working actor, most of them the character actors, finds him or herself traveling the world in a constantly shifting kaleidoscope of roles. Our guest today is one of those actors. Matt Frewer is the actor I've worked with more than any other. Other filmmakers and I often talk on the show about how great it is to work with actors you already have a connection to, a shorthand with, simpatico approaches to the work. It makes the process so much simpler and, yeah, a lot more fun. Matt's list of credits spans nine pages on IMDb. He's impossible to categorize and can play the broadest of comedy and the most sensitive of drama. He catapulted to fame in the 80s as Max Headroom, has done Marvel movies, Stephen King adaptations, many with me, is a regular on Fear the Walking Dead, has done voices for animation, tons and tons of movies and TV. He is the very definition of working actor. We'll be back with my friend Matt and learn about what makes him tick, his life, his work, and his passions after this. It's 2020 and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code POSTMORTEM for 15% off right now. Need Valentine's plans? Fangoria has got you covered. From director Joe Begos comes Fangoria's newest movie, VFW. How do we describe it? It's like Night of the Living Dead meets The Wild Bunch, and then throw in a ton of genre stars that you love, including Stephen Lang, Martin Cove, William Sadler, Fred the Hammer Williamson, George Wendt, and David Patrick Kelly. 
available to stream on demand and in select theaters this Friday, Valentine's Day. So where did it start for you? I mean, you were born in Washington, D.C., but mm -hmm. your parents were Canadian. Your dad was military, right? Yeah, uh, my dad um, was Navy. They're no longer with us. Um, and he was stationed down in Washington, D.C. With, uh, with the embassy there. And I was uh, actually only in Washington, D.C. for... Uh, uh, the first three weeks of my life, and then I crawled north of the border. <laughs> Enough uh, to give you <laughs> citizenship in two countries. Yeah, though. yeah, which yeah. is fantastic. So, uh, you, you know, depending on who's hijacking the plane that day, you know, <laughs> we're neutral, Abdul. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it, it's it's very handy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it it really allows me to work uh, anywhere and everywhere, which is uh, uh, it's wonderful to have that. Talk about a working actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be, you know, to be able to uh, increase your possibilities, that's what it's all about, you know. I just want to remember the day we met. This was the very first read we did when we were casting The Stand. It was our very first reading for the very first actor role. And you came in. And, of course, I'd known you as Max Headroom and, and Dr. Doctor and things you'd done, the comedic stuff. Trash Can Man in The Stand is a character who could just be an over-the-top lunatic. But you came in, Stephen King, Lynn Kressel, the casting director, and I were in the room, and you did this performance, and you brought something really unexpected into this character of Trash Can Man, which was pathos. When you were doing the scene where you first meet Randall Flagg, and you have the fire, and it's the My Life for You speech. We were almost in tears. Tell me how you prepped for that. Um, well, I fortunately, I, I had read the book, and as a sidebar, when you guys eventually <clears throat> did cast me, and I was on the first day of the set, and Stephen came up to say hello, and I, I kind of started bending his ear in, a, in an actory way, <laughs> you know, talking about Trash Cat Man, and blah, 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 blah. and he and uh, he he listened very politely, and he was nodding, and then he, and then he goes, yeah, yeah, but what bands do you like? <laughs> That's Steve. So, so I was like, oh. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, I, I think the uh, uh, you know the, the 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 there's a literal and a figurative flame, and the figurative uh, flame for him is is Randall Flag, and it's the uh, uh, and and uh, that's his. Uh, his guru, you know, and, mm. and, and, and the, there's a, there's a certain dark love there. And, and, uh, and, uh, and certainly that, um, that, uh, that, uh, character and a lot of, you know, obviously there were some, some of the scenes like, you know, being, being raped with a, a pistol barrel is, is never good on network TV. Right. Fine. <laughs> but, but, you know, that, that sort of thing, he, he's, he's, um, the character is, uh, uh, he twisted, but he's in, he's in agony, and he's he's been abused, and uh, and 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 a lot of uh, what he does is uh, is working out what uh, uh, what's been done to him, and 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 how to move on. You know, like a lot of 
uh, people who've, who've had that sort of abuse early on in their, their lives have to cope with, you know. Well, it would be easy to miss that emotional resonance of that character just by reading that script. Yeah, because uh, there are not a lot of lines either. I mean, it's it's basically my life for you. And, and, and Cibola. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> in, in 19 different ways, you know. And yeah. and it, uh, uh, and there, there's a certain kind of um, thing about uh, the burn, too. Yeah. You know, the burn, that, the purity of that and uh, and getting to the other side and, and the, the kind of purity of, of the truth that the the flame induces and, and all that stuff of getting too close to the flame. And, 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 you, and you and I on the set, I mean, we were already developing that shorthand about that with the, with the lighter and to get hypnotized yeah. by the lighter and to kind of go into the, the, the center of the flame and, and, uh, and see that. And there's a, there's a kind of a... Um, uh, yeah, purity that is in, induced by fire, you, you know, and and all the kind of religious implications too that uh, that King touched on so so brilliantly that uh, you you know brought to life visually. So well, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience, an endless experience that lasted for me a, a whole year, counting post production. Yeah, I, well, God, that. I mean, yeah. I I would sort of you know show up and you know, dance around for, for five days and then go back home and then come back and, and hook up with you guys in some other state <laughs> right? and, 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 and chart the, the, the crew getting progressively shorter. Yeah. You know, the, the, like, the, uh, covered wagons were circling oh, yeah, constantly like, on yeah, the move from one place to right. another. The, the death march to day 95. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, when did you know you wanted to be a performer? Um, I, you know, when I was in, in high school, I was all lined up to do an honors degree course in biology, you know, for no other reason than my marks were good. And, and, and the, you know, the, uh, the, the drama teacher at, at, uh, the high school that I went to in Ontario and Canada said, you don't want to be chopping up worms hearts in Northern Ontario for the rest of your life as, <laughs> as glamorous as that sounded. And, and so, so I, I, you know, he, he said, you should, you should, try acting and uh, um, he said you'll get a lot more girls that way you know and, and that's <laughs> so that's it wasn't all. your idea well yeah it, it kind of was but and it, and it was something that was percolating but I, I suppose I needed somebody to, to verbalize it not necessarily to give me permission but to sort of go yeah god maybe it is a good idea and um, I went to England and had a classical training in, in well you the went theater. to rada right no i went to bristol old vic which ah, yeah okay. and there, there's sort of three or four of the the top-notch ones of which rada is one and and bristol is another uh lambda where my uh wife went uh is, is the london academy and bristol was in was in bristol and it was all uh i mean it was great because it was a classical training it it uh, gives you many strings to your bow and gives you uh a technique, technique, and a you know, which is basically a scaffolding to jump off of, and do so you have something to go back to. You know, it's the structure that you can, uh, you know, will never fail you throughout your life and career. You know, right. Um, so it, it was it was an important thing to do, and and uh, I just started getting work right away. Touchwood, long may that continue. And that right, well, soon, long it has continued. Yeah, I know. It, it, I'm, I'm you're, up you're to doing Fear years. the Walking Dead yeah. now. You're doing Perry Mason now. Yeah. You're, you're just as as vital and as working as you have been since the '80s. Yeah, no, I know. I'm extremely fortunate that way, and uh, I, and uh, yes, yeah, 40 years now. 
And and wow. I I just kind of um, I I remember being coming out of drama school and and you know there were a few auditions and you know and I and I, I was sort of getting going from job to job and I and and I I, I realized you have to be you know be good at a lot of things you have to you have to do a lot of uh, lots of different things and be sort of uh you know facile with it and and it that's com- the versatility we talked yeah, yeah yeah and uh you know and i um it w- w- which dovetailed neatly into what i wanted to do which was always to do lots of different interesting things and not be you know just have a more expensive lining for my coffin. <laughs> <laughs> so were you a class clown when you were a kid? No, very shy, catatonically shy. And, and um, uh, the, um, and I, I do remember there was a certain point when I, when I, when, you know, I, I said I was going to go full bore with acting that I, that I, I thought, well, I better, I better burst out of the, uh, the shell. Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah. people think of you, primarily doing comedy I think is is how most people were introduced to your work was by the funny stuff and knowing you and what a funny guy you are um, and how naturally funny you are as a performer and everything that it seems such a part of your personality and then when you discover as we did in that audition the pathos there that you're also capable of it's it's quite alarming and exciting oh thank you um uh, yeah I, I guess you know i mean uh, part of it is like being a good pitcher you, you know where you you set them up with a with a curveball and uh, right. and then throw the fastball you know and and I, I and i think uh uh yeah i mean it's uh it's just another color and 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 certainly what when i came on the scene it was it uh yeah it was probably I, I won't say strictly comedic but that's that's how I certainly came over um from England doing the Max Hedrum thing so it was the Max Hedrum character but the the Edison Carter character was was a very sort of serious leading man type right and and then there were you know and Honey I Shrunk the Kids and Dr. Doctor so uh, and Dr. Doctor in particular was all all uh, restraints were off on that. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. you were Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey was Jim Carrey. Yeah, and yeah. in fact, he, there was a there was some um, uh, GQ uh, interview with him where he said he based everything on this actor named Matt Frewer. And I, and I was reading wow. this, kind of going, God, how surreal is this? There he is, you know, at that point making you know his. 10 million a movie and I was sort of making a, a good $15 <laughs> <laughs> better than a minimum wage yeah yeah, yeah but uh, you know I've always looked on that stuff as uh, you know a, a string to one's bow and and not the whole bow you know and right. uh, and I and um, uh, yeah the whole the whole thing is is just fun and 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 fulfilling and i would do it for free but don't tell them that <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know max headroom was such a totally unique and new experience in television first in the uk and then later on uh in the u.s how did that all come about um well i was over in england and, and actually um after um uh, drama school. Uh, I, I, I've been off doing a lot of work and re- all the reps in England and, and um, you know some BBC stuff and um, some movies and so on. And then this thing came along called Max Hedrum, and nobody knew what it was, and they weren't even sure what it was going to be. All they wanted was this um, uh, sort of 
transatlantic uh, guy with a you know with a mid-atlantic accent that could <laughs> that could um uh sell channel 4's uh pop videos for their for their right it was a video it was all yeah it was just supposed to be a vj <clears throat> and um uh, a friend of mine auditioned for it and and he very kindly said he didn't think he was right for it but he knew somebody who was <laughs> like how often does that happen <laughs> really? and i can't even remember the guy's name now but, uh, <laughs> but, but thanks yeah whoever, but thanks, you, are. whoever you are um and uh yeah i mean a really lovely gesture obviously and he he um yeah, he he basically got me in the door. They got in touch, and and I, and I did this uh, uh, this ad lib around uh, six lines of dialogue for for Max, and it was like a half an hour thing, and it, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like weird. And then I auditioned for the the, the other character, and and they they said, great, okay, let's do this, and and I had no idea what I was getting into, and it was a four and a half hour prosthetics rubber makeup thing, right. uh, and then. I think the next time we did anything, I did anything so extensive was probably on the stand. Yeah, here comes the rubber and the glue again, <laughs> and and it was uh, it it was amazing, and and um, you know, and they they basically turned the cameras on and you know went for coffee and came back and kind of are you done? Yeah, <laughs> so you you basically created that character on your own. I mean, yeah. there was a basis, but yeah, it was you. Yeah, I, I mean, because you know, a lot of it was just sort of you know. Uh, uh, introing videos and then I started ad-libbing more and more and they kind of went hey we should increase the amount of max and decrease the number of videos mm-hmm. and it sort of became this hip talk show for everybody to be on and, and that in exchange for um, uh, um, t- talking about your latest movie or your latest album you, you'd get roasted by max <laughs> and I, I was laboring under the impression that um, nothing that I said could be misconstrued as libelous because I wasn't real <laughs> <laughs> and where did that lead you? <laughs> oh, yeah, almost to prison, but it was it was it was uh, a lot of fun, and uh, and then that kind of convinced people to do the the new Coke commercials, of which right. I sold six bottles, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then that convinced uh, ABC to do that, and then there was a, there was an HBO talk show too, the Cinemax talk show, the Max right. Talking Edrum show. So uh, there were all these sort of different elements. All, but when all, it became a narrative series I mean it was a sensation from the beginning yeah it kind of was a sensation and it brought attention to you in a way that you'd never had before. Tell right. me how that affected you. Um, well, we, I was working so hard on it. I had no, uh, not even the slightest impression that A, it was doing well, and, and B, <laughs> how long it would be on the air. It was really only after the event. I, but it, So it was great. I mean, I, you know, we were shooting what was MGM at, you know, at Lorimar, at MGM at the time. It's now Sony. Isn't it? Right. And, right. Um, uh, and and it was it was amazing. I mean, uh, but again, you know, once everybody had finished working, then I'd get into the max makeup. So the conventional day was me as Edison, and then we would, you know, I would shoot Max, and and then you know, two at that point because there were two people uh, doing the makeup, um, Zoltan and Kathy Iliak, mm-hmm. and. and and then it, it would be two and a half hours to put it on and then an hour and a half to take it off. <clears throat> and then um, 
I would go back to the Oakwood Apartments down down Venice Boulevard, and the only thing really that would be open would be Taco Bell. And I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember I remember going in, and I I had my ooh, my bean curd taco, and I, I came out to my rented car, and I squeezed it too hard, and it kind of went, and and just landed as this sort of big turd on the on the hood, and I kept it there, and it hardened up, and it was really neat. It was sort of like a Mercedes Benz thing, this sort of rampant. Turd. <laughs> well, that <laughs> kept you real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like a, a little reminder. And then, it, and then when I returned it, it was with the spatula scraped it off. <laughs> <laughs> so when you started getting recognized, because most of your fame as the Max character was in that makeup, but you also were in Matt Frewer face for the other character yeah. as well. Yeah. So when did you start getting recognized? From in the UK uh, on the street, from even though you'd had this big makeup effect on, uh, yes and no. I mean, at the beginning, I you know when when I was feeling a, a little frustrated that I wasn't getting enough recognition. I mean, I would leave the studio and go walking up the <laughs> up the street in the Max makeup with the the sort of fiberglass suit, which right. was really weird. It it almost it literally caused an accident at one point because you know here's this sort of you know washing machine with legs kind of squirming up. Uh, uh, up the high street um and then uh yeah and then it kind of dovetailed fortunately into into sort of getting recognized as as the other character matt Frewer. Right. so right. so yeah, that yeah. that was that was good too you know and uh, uh it, it, it was uh uh it, it, it you know it, it it was a strange thing because um it's all those things with you know mask work is pretty great because it's it's quite freeing it's quite yeah. liberating uh you know from the ancient greeks on they they knew what they were doing and um and it was it was frustrating but uh you know after post max it was it was okay because I, I wasn't so um, typecast, you know. Sorry, no parts for rubber men today. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, because it, it wasn't it, like Robert Englund who was still no, identifiable in that. The, that no, right? Because it, yeah, so because strongly. there was still this, uh, you know, this supposition that maybe so the Max character is he's computer generated, right? The, the, you know, there was still, you know, I, I'm sure various casting directors and so on that didn't think it was a didn't real think human. it was. A, yeah. it was a real human under that you know that it was it was quite cleverly done but you know uh we were taking literally 22 hours a day to uh make make analog look digital wow. and, and of course these days any kid with a laptop could do it in five minutes <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> very cool were you was your family into the arts at all um yeah, you know my my dad wrote a lot huh. uh, and uh, fiction, uh, poetry, and and wow. uh, and yeah, and a lot of um, a military uh, and, poet. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of limericks and uh, oh god, they're bombing us. Oh, the, um, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, and 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 my mom uh, was very well read. Um, so uh, in a in a roundabout way, they were they were into the arts and you have a brother i i have um three brothers, three brothers. and one sister yeah and and, sister. and there's, wow. there's yeah there's big family yeah yeah there, i mean there's probably only i i my my one of my older brothers kit is a is a very good um classical pianist and um i'm nodding to um mick's wife cynthia who's in the room who's a, a wonderful classic classical pianist um uh and um uh, 
and now I'm mesmerized by a bird that's out on the branch. <laughs> and now I'm watching my fingers dance in front of me. <laughs> World uh, headquarters. Yeah. Nice guy productions. <laughs> yeah, right. He's high. I know he's high. <laughs> um, um, and and yeah. So other other than uh, Kit and and I, uh, I I think that's pro- that's the, that's probably the uh, you know my my younger brother is is a is a director in in England uh, for uh, you know in house training films and and uh, and and stuff. So he 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 does a lot of the corporate stuff. Even though it's corporate, it's still a creative endeavor as yes. a director. I mean, directing yeah. films and things. Yeah. So yeah. it it has caught on in your family. Yeah, the artistry. Maybe starting with your dad or maybe grandparents, I don't know. But it sounds like it was an encouraging creative atmosphere. I, I think so. I, I, I think so. I mean, they're, you know, they were fantastic. I mean, it was, you know, whatever you want to do. And, and, of course, they come from that generation where, you know, you suddenly say you want to be an actor. And the immediate reaction is, do you really think that's a good idea? <laughs> an, yeah, probably not, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> but they were supportive of that? Uh, you know, they were kind of like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was, it was that sort of thing. You, you know? sure you don't want to be a biologist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, wouldn't it be better to go to university? And, and you know, and for a a, a, a brief five minutes I, I thought yeah maybe that would be a good idea and you know do a like some dr- drama joint degree with something else and then I, I thought nah if I'm gonna do this I gotta I, I gotta you know I'm gonna sink or swim and, and do the flog you know who were the people who inspired you when you started when you made that decision to go into performing uh, you mean performers performers or uh, or writers or filmmakers or uh, oh uh, Gosh, uh, in your formative years, your wonder years, uh, yeah. the, probably the same ones that inspire me now. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Gene Hackman, mm. uh, Alan Bates, and Robert Shaw are probably my my three favorites, and and wow. a lot of, a lot of the uh, <clears throat> you know the 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 wonderful old boy British actors. And in fact, I got a chance to uh, uh, meet some of them through the National Youth Theater. I was with the National Youth Theater for a couple of seasons before I went to Bristol Old Vic. And uh, the the patron of the National Youth Theater uh, when I was there was um, Sir Ralph Richardson. Wow! And, and he would show up uh, for our dress rehearsals whenever we we ha- we had uh, a show, and he um, would show up. He was a fantastic guy. He he would show up in this sort of World War One flying helmet, and <laughs> and and uh, you know sometimes jodhpurs and and you know, you know the boots as a sort of uh, a World War like a World War One flying ace, but on this old uh, Norton or something. It was like an old wow. an old old motorbike. But he also had a parrot. He also had a parrot that was about sort of. T- on the motorbike with him. <laughs> oh yeah, my god! Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and after the the dress rehearsal, I was I was chatting to him out on the sidewalk, and he was he was sitting astride the um, uh, the the Norton, and uh, a, the the parrot was was on the handlebars, and w- once we'd finished chatting, he started up this kind of great throat, <laughs> and, and, and and you know, and he, the goggles came down. He leaned forward, and I, this is no word of a lie. So did. The parrot, the parrot leaned forward, getting <laughs> in unison on the handlebars. I mean, it was fantastic. It was like a sort of wily e. coyote wow. thing, and uh, just and 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 the and the parrot was sort of trained to kind of lean forward in traffic. <laughs> 
Safety first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually worked with Gene Hackman briefly. Oh, okay. Uh, He's you know, I well, of course, yeah. On the, in the Quick on, and the Dead. The quick and the Dead. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I was his henchman. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah. I remember. And yeah. It, it yeah, was that was the. Uh, fascinating. It, it was, uh, it's Sharon Stone, right? Sharon yeah, Stone yeah. and Russell, Russell Crowe Crow, yeah. and Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. and Gene Hackman. Yeah, quite a cast. It's quite a cast. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it was uh, fascinating to work with old Hollywood type people yeah. and and somebody who was so incredible and and took no bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a, a fantastic actor, and uh, yeah, d- definitely uh, one of the, one of the film greats, and uh, yeah, one of the ones that I I've always sort of admired. Still, you know, it's great. Well, another thing that you've done a lot of is animation voices, and that seems to be something entirely unto itself. Tell me about how you got into that, and and. What is your process? Well, that? I can ask you the same thing. Uh, <laughs> well, you got me my SAG card. <laughs> um, uh, I I don't know how I, I I didn't really get into it. It sort of found me, and and I, I've done a, a fair few voices. I I um, gave the Pink Panther his only voice, which was which was kind of cool because before that he was catatonic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, my ribs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it was. Uh, yeah, and there's. Was that your first animation um, job? Uh, no, I think I I think I did something like Magic School Bus or something. Ah, and, okay. and there was a, there was a, a a bunch of stuff like that. And um, well, yeah. Pink Panther was was great because you invited me to come down. Yeah, and and Wallace Shawn and all those guys. Yeah, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be an animator when I was a kid. I wanted to make cartoons, and I'd never seen the process. Yeah. And I came and visited while it was you and Dan Castellaneta and Wallace yeah. Shawn, all these guys, just sitting around a conference table doing one voice at a time. It was obvious to me that a lot of the actors had never looked at the script before and were just doing it as the director would point oh, yeah. and <laughs> no, say, now here a horse has just kicked you in the butt or something. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Oh! Do, do that. Yeah, yeah do that. Yeah. And, and, uh, but, but when you came in and auditioned, I mean, we were talking about this the other day for yeah. you, you know, and, and the director would be like, okay, what else you got? Okay, what else you got? And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's like unbelievable. You're, you, you trotted up probably 15 voices well, before yeah, they you finally ran me. out of gas. It I wasn't, was impressed. It wasn't necessarily voices I had done before, but they said, uh-huh. uh, can you do this? Can you do that? Can yeah. I, I must have done two dozen voices that day. Yeah. And then the <laughs> next day got a phone call to come in and do cartoon voices. Fantastic. How great is that? <laughs> And thanks to you, Matt Frewer. Well, you know, you performed once you got in through the door. All I did was creak open the door. It was, Two shows uh, it was and none since. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Brian. Well, no, it was, uh, it was But fun. there's been a lot of it, and you've done superhero mm. cartoons and things, mm. too. And and um, I, I, do you have a separate process, or do you treat it all the same? Uh, no, I mean, you know, the, the with the voiceover stuff, it, 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 you know, because there's no camera involved, you don't have to get prettied up, which I like. <laughs> you know, you don't have, there's a, you know, so there's, it, it's pretty good because I, I, I think as I, as I get older, I, I have less tolerance for all the waiting, you mm-hmm. know, the waiting in, in, in airports, the waiting in, um, you know, in your trailer, the waiting in hotels, the waiting on set. And, 
you know, with with voiceovers, it's it's to drop in and drop out, and you see a lot of those guys who are the, you, you know, the uh, do, who do strictly voiceover stuff, and they just sort of have pagers, and they're 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 making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars because you know, and they just go around L.A. in a gig in a limo. to gig to gig, yeah, yeah. And just like you know, and they're sort of doing four or five a day. I mean, I I, I don't do that, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's nice just to sort of be able to show up basically in your underwear, <laughs> yes. as we are today. As we are today. That's a good thing about podcasts. Yeah. Well. Here we are in our jockeys. And, uh, yeah. it's, all... it's a Godcast. <laughs> well, we've, we talked about in the open about you being the actor I've worked with the most. And it is that versatility thing, but it's also so much fun to work with you. And starting with The Stand, that was our first experience together. And Billy Corso, the yeah. Academy Award-winning makeup artist, and you and I would trade voices back and forth, which is how the whole Pink Panther thing happened. But, but you know, that joy of being on a set together with somebody who's really good and you can rely on him and you, your, your shorthand is in full action yeah. and yet have a lot of fun with as well it just makes a process that is a very laborious one into something really pleasurable yeah and uh, you know and and god bless you for saying that and god bless you for being the, the way you are because there are two different ways from of getting from a to b and one is the fun way and the other way is the tooth extraction with no novocaine you know yeah, uh, you know, and it, and um, I I I have very little tolerance for you know that the other thing because you know the 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 bitching and whining. I mean, we're supposed to want to give our left nut to be doing this. Yeah, and and so if you're not happy on a set, when are you happy? Yeah, you know. Yeah, if you can't be happy playing with the train set, it's you know? a, and it's play, it's play. So, so uh, of course that's gonna you know bleed over into that. And <clears throat> I, I kind of look on that as as part of the job too. Is sort of it's a, a pleasant <clears throat> you know work environment. Is uh, everybody does better work because they're more relaxed you know yeah yeah and encouraging each other yeah you know yeah. it's it's such a group effort yeah um but you know we did that we did what was next quicksilver highway was that the next uh, one was or? that the next one um, yeah but yeah i think so then we did I desperation think, yeah, and chocolate. We did, oh chocolate for masters of horror yep. um and desperation mm -hmm. and bag of bones yeah. and uh yeah, yeah we've We've worked a lot. We've both gone great together. Yeah, I, know. I know. One with hair and one without. That's, that's right. I've got yours. Yeah. <laughs> Sonny Bono. Yeah. I've got yours, babe. Where's mine? <laughs> so what is your favorite kind of thing to play? Do you like comedy? Do you like drama? Or do you differentiate? I, I don't differentiate. I And, um, uh, I, you know, there's a, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have a, I don't have a favorite. It's just all, you know, whether the material's good or not. And, and right. it, it doesn't matter whether, whether it's strictly comedic or comedic with dramatic overtones or drama with, with comedic overtones, you know, it's a, uh, it, it, um, whatever comes along, you know, uh, 
Well, one of the things that happened in the wake of Max Headroom was that Dr. Doctor was kind of created as a vehicle for you, was it not? Um, well, it, it had already been uh, written. The pilot but, was but, written. But Norman Steinberg, you know, who's no slouch in the, in the comedy stakes, you know, mm-hmm. he wrote uh, Blazing Saddles in my favorite year, said to me, okay, whatever you want to do, uh, just go for it ad lib to your heart's content I was like what you know and I I didn't know that that was you were allowed to do that and so and that so, was your first time where you were encouraged to just do what yeah, you do yeah yeah other than the other than the Max Headroom thing obviously but right. that that was a sort of different thing it was just sort of like they let let me go right from the beginning but I this is a narrative show yeah, yeah and then you come in and you, there's a script and all of a sudden they say well if you want to yeah and so I did <laughs> and it was it was a blast <laughs> and so we'd end up doing you know one on the script and then two off and then they would put it together in the in the edit and it, and it was it was so much fun i mean it was it was just great and uh you know and i uh, uh you know i i, I in interviews and so on you know they would sort of say oh well, how much of that was yours and i'd never said because because I, I i felt as though it was it was important for the show as a whole just to, you know i've sort of Norman, Norm, you know, Norman gave me the carte blanche, carte blanche ad lib card, so I wasn't gonna, you know, tr- sort of say, oh, I I did this and I did that. I wasn't right. gonna lay claim. You to don't want to take credit for no, no. the group activity. It, yeah, no. and it was, uh, but it it was it was tons of fun, right up to the point where they had a standards and practices guy uh, stationed on the show, and then one just for me. <laughs> oh, you know, you had your personal. Sensor. I had my personal standards and practices guy, and it, which was which uh, at the beginning I thought this is so fucking cool because I've got a, you know I had my little uh, griffin on my shoulder, and, and and then very quickly the the griffin would be you know digging his claws, at you. And digging, you know, ripping your eyes out. Yeah, it, was, it just became a real pain. So, well. You talked a little about the makeup experience on Max Headroom. You've gone through it a lot. You you were in uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. Um, you've you've had your share of makeup experiences as well, right? Tell me a little a bit about that. Um, you know the um, well the the Max thing was was difficult because it wasn't as uh, advanced as it is now the the process uh, and and so it was very hit or miss whether the texture was going to be uh workable and and if they put too much water in the mold the when they fired the fired the rubber those <laughs> words should never be in the same sentence um, but, i'm firing that rubber i'm firing that rubber <laughs> rib for extra pleasure i'm suing you the um uh, uh, but there's a reservoir tip so <laughs> <laughs> um, We're descending quickly. Oh yeah, <laughs> just instantly. Give us time. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about Las Vegas in a bit. <laughs> oh my God, no! Don't make me do that. The um, you have to. Uh, anyway, uh, the um, the makeup process. The, the makeup process. Uh, well, uh, the, uh, the and and once the the uh, the rubber pieces were were uh, fired, if there was too much water in it, they would evaporate off, and then the rubber, when it was applied to your face, would have the kind of texture of a catcher's mitt so it was it was very difficult to work with so you'd be right. doing this huge smile but it would come out as a tiny little small mouth frog <laughs> you, you you were fighting it the whole time and and it, and, it, and it you you know it was and then they would take it off and your face just look like an old man scrotum <laughs> <laughs> but, 
those jowls. Didn't have those. But, <laughs> but you, you went through it a lot, and you have to have kind of a Zen attitude about it. I remember doing Thriller. I had to have my face cast, yeah. and even that was torture for me. I'm claustrophobic, and that experience. Once the makeup was on, it was fine. But just getting your face cast and the like. But sitting for three hours being made up yeah. is, is an excruciating. It was four experience. and a half then back, yeah. back then because yeah. it was only because they were just figuring out how to do it. And I still remember her name, Fiona Kemp, who was lovely in in uh, London, and she was really good. But you know, and and fortunately, uh, you know, cool to hang out with. So so the, the time went rather quickly. But yeah. you know. At, that point we were uh you know it was people like duran duran and and i it took me four and a half hours to do my makeup and i was actually waiting for them because they, they it took them longer than four and a half hours to put on their makeup <laughs> wow that's and a that's, new window you know the glitter has to be just right <laughs> <laughs> i'm just going oh for god's sake we're we're simon leblanc from fucking- <laughs> come on <laughs> simon <laughs> So, Sorry, mate, I was just docking drum. <laughs> so Fear the Walking Dead, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in that. Um, how, how did that come along? That's, um, that, I was just offered that, and yeah. uh, he, he, uh, I wasn't a zombie in that. It's a very, very interesting right. character, though. Um, uh, he's uh, uh, a survivor, and... Um, uh, uh, will do anything to survive and mm-hmm. uh and and the moral crossroads that he 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 comes to that and 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 it kind of dovetailed into nicely what the the show has become it's like how how much do you lose your humanity and and it always reminded me of the the character of this one of my favorite quotes which is the and i don't i don't know who it's attributable to uh uh, that the the road to hell is not a slippery slope it's a step-by-step conscious descent Mm -hmm. you you know and that you go oh yeah that's not too bad that's not too bad and then before you know it you're polishing apples in satan's lap kind of going (laughs) hey how did i get here well Step by step. Step by step. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's a kind of a, it's a cool character. And um, yeah, and I was in that one for, in season five for uh, a bunch of episodes. And then uh, I, uh, I died. I, I died. <laughs> and I'm crying. I, yeah. I died. Tears I died. are spilling all oh, over the I, studio. I've died so many times on camera. I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to know what to expect in real life. I'll, I'll just ask for another take. <laughs> you blow up real good in the <laughs> <Yeah>. stand. <laughs> So, okay, we'll talk about Las Vegas because it's a very funny story. Um, When you were in your full radiation burn makeup. Getting flop sweat now. Yeah, so, uh, but I'll let you tell the story because it originated with uh, uh, one of our cameo performers' uh, idea. Okay, Uh, not to name names, but John Landis, uh, (laughs) he, he said, Matt! Come on, I'm gonna buy you a lap dance. And this in in Vegas, and and uh, yeah, I was in the full uh, third degree uh, melted tomato look <laughs> uh, makeup, and uh, so we we went to this um, um, establishment and a gentleman's uh, a club. gentleman's club, <laughs> and and I sat down, and the very professional uh, lap dancer came over, and 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 uh, you know she was sort of doing her thing, and and I'm looking up at her, kind of kind of going, oh my god. 
this must be so excruciating for her. Here I am, you, you know, just... Well, they're good with the handicapped. You know? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, and <laughs> and um, he and she was, uh, you know, just, just ignoring uh, the fact that I, you know, look like talking ketchup. And, and, and she was, uh, you know, went on and on and, and until she got sort of too close. And one of her um, silicone breasts slapped against my makeup and stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a sort of a hardened melon. Yeah, you were talking like Popeye you know, on the side of your mouth. And I'm kind of looking up at her, and, she, and she's looking a little panicky now. <laughs> uh, and then um, she, she looks over at the, uh, the, the uh, security guy at the door, and without skipping a beat, the guy comes over and, and uh, he, uh, grasps her left breast very gently and kind of goes... <laughs> And she continued on with the dance. I was, I, the the level of professionalism I never unmatched, <laughs> never have I seen before. Never will I will again. So travel is a big part of your life. I mean, <laughs> good segue. <laughs> yeah. So avocados discuss. Avocados, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Debate. Yeah. Um, but travel is a big part of your life. I mean, well. The stand so was fuck off! Of- <laughs> yeah, get out of you here! You like now. travel? You like sex? Well, fuck off! <laughs> but you're kind of a nomad, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the life of a of a working a gonad? actor. Uh, now, no, no, now, now. <laughs> no, we yeah. go from breast to gonads. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, tell me about that gypsy life. You you know you have a daughter, you have a wife. Uh, you've been married for thirty five years. Yeah. Um, so tell me what that is like, constantly being on call, and you, you work it all over Canada, the U.S., and elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, really all over the world. So I, I mean, I'm very lucky in that regard. But yes, it is a lot of travel, and it is a lot of going nuts and in hotel rooms, and and again the the waiting thing. And uh, yeah, and I have less tolerance for it now, but it's part of the deal because until they start making movies at the end of our driveway, uh, this is this is how it, <laughs> this is how it goes, um, and. And um, uh, uh, Amanda, my lovely wife, was a very well-known actress over in England and kind of knows the score. And um, my my daughter uh, is, you know, she, like if we'd be, she may, you know, she, she's she's great because uh, for <clears throat> for a, a, a period she would find it quite intimidating when if we would be out in public and you know and people would come up and stuff, and then and now she just sort of takes a step back and kind of rolls her eyes and yawns. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and then she went through a phase of uh, uh, um, as a result of me asking her what's the most embarrassing thing I do? And she said, oh, without a doubt, singing in public. <laughs> so that, of course, is a red flag to a bull. So now, <laughs> now, whenever, you know, now that she's 23, and if we're uh, walking along the street or anywhere, it's like, hey, Scout, where are you going? Why do you look so embarrassed? <laughs> she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Just running. Well, your home, you live a very unconventional artist's life. You live on an island in British Columbia Mm -hmm. and on a farm, and you raise llamas. Tell me about how this came about and what that that life is like for you. Uh, Well, the the 
the llama thing wasn't, um, you know, I had no intention of raising llamas. It wasn't your career it, goal? It wasn't my, A, my career choice, maybe my goal, and I don't know how I ended up doing it. Um, <laughs> but uh, the first two weeks that we were on the island, this uh, old, this sea hag lady came up and goes, hey, Matt, you know anyone who would like to raise llamas? <laughs> Uh, and I said, well, uh, I'd be sort of interested in that. Uh, and she goes, really? Would you like four? <laughs> and so, so uh, Here's your starter set. Here's your starter kit for llamas. And, and, uh, and I immediately said yes. And, of course, watched yes disappear out of my mouth and, and wish I could reel it back in. And, and then fast forward to two weeks later, uh, this local farmer loaned us a, a trailer. And we went over to this place called Powell River and picked up the llamas and... Uh, and uh, yeah, dragged him back to Denman, and and I I, I should have known better because we came up to a, a stoplight, and some people rolled down their window and went, oh my God, look llamas, and the llamas spat on them, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one I think spat on their windshield. So and, you know I'm kind of sorry. <laughs> people don't realize llamas spit. No, they and they kick. The kicking's worse. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it um they've been great actually. They're very uh, decorative. <laughs> and they and they they pose, you know, which which is really great, yeah, you know. And sometimes you think, fuck, is he dead? <laughs> and they're because they're just sort of there, and they they're you know very quiet and very still. And then they're you know and very elegant. And so you come down the driveway and you see it's almost like is it topiary? Is that the topiary? Topiary, yeah. 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 You, you you think, oh my god, the hedge is moving. <laughs> um, but they're uh, they're uh, really really great and we, but, have, <laughs> we have we have goats too but do you shear the llamas and sell the, mm-hmm. the sheer bliss yeah <laughs> i i don't uh, i don't but there's a, a lady on the island who who calls herself strangely the llama lady and and she's very good with the llamas and she'll come over every august and shear the llamas uh, just because it's very uncomfortable for them when it gets hot <clears throat> and then um she takes takes the wool and you know we don't charge her or anything because you know it's a win-win so you just have the llamas for decoration and company and spitting. Yeah, yeah. And occasionally, um, <clears throat> you said a weird artist's life. And, and now that I think of it, it is quite strange. Because one, um, I, 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 pr- I practice uh, a new banjo tune. Like I play banjo and I'll, I'll go out and I'll, uh, I'll play uh, banjo for them. I, wow. I, put a, I put a stool out there, and then and they, they all gather around. It's the, the only audience that hasn't run away yet. <laughs> <laughs> and they're fast, so it's now, flattering. <laughs> one of the things that you've been doing lately is kind of uh, making yourself available to fans and going to the occasional convention and the like. Tell me about what that's been like for well, you. Well, um, yeah, I had a bit of an epiphany at one of them, and um, this uh, this lovely young fellow <clears throat> came came up and was so so excited at one of the one of these things and I and you know I'd sort of just sort of been doing them because I would was asked to do them and this the, he was in a uh, in a wheelchair and um, I believe he was a quadriplegic and he was j- uh, just so uh, passionate and so um, uh, interested and uh, so excited uh, that and it, and at, of course it occurred to me that this is their whole life, you know, and and that uh, they, that th- this is what they what they live for, and and it kind of um, projected the the whole intention of doing these things into into a whole uh, uh, other realm, and and so I I kind of 
do it's this like for giving different access reasons. more than making money. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I kind of I, I uh, do it for different reasons, though. You know. Yeah, uh, it's, it, they're fun. What do they mostly uh, recognize you from? Oh, lo- lots of different things. Uh, um, Younger uh, ones, I imagine, The Walking Dead uh, stuff. Yeah, Walking Dead and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dawn of the Dead and all, all the stuff you've directed me in. <laughs> uh, a lot of it, actually. And uh, um, the, uh, the the White Knight and Alice. I, I did this, oh, yeah. this miniseries with Alice with... Uh, you know, Kathy Bates was the Queen of Hearts, and I was the White Knight, and uh, and it was. You won an award for that, didn't you? Uh, the the it was all no, I don't oh. think so. Oh. I, I'm still pending. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and the uh, the Nick, you, you know, the yes, Clive Owen thing, the and the Steven uh, Soderbergh show, yeah, yeah, where you had a very profuse Santa Claus beard. It was that was a big boy beard. Oh my god, that, <laughs> I love that beard. It, it was fantastic. I mean, uh, and again, the, you know, the prosthetics that in, that are involved, kind of making a beard like that. But it, it looked real. It really did. And and it, uh, unlike a lot of stick on beards, it moved. <laughs> it moved with you. You know, yes. it didn't have a life of its own. But it was it was fantastic. And uh, I no, I I I love that beard. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got to take it home with you. I didn't get sheared in August <laughs> <Yeah>. either. <laughs> and. You you are bearded now as we speak. I am bearded now as we speak for uh, a Perry Mason because I'm I'm playing the judge in uh, HBO's Perry Mason, so I, I have to be uh, I have to look like a gardener peeking through a hedge. <laughs> well, tell me about Perry Mason. This is a show that was huge in the '50s and early '60s, and now it's a reboot. Is this a pre? prequel to what the Perry Mason was yeah. and it's HBO which is an unlikely place for a CBS show to turn into it seems that way but this is not your grandfather's Perry Mason and it's a, it's a prequel and it tells the tale of um, Perry uh, before he became legal Perry and he was kind of gumshoe Perry and then he segues partway through the series into legal Perry and you see you know the emergence of, of this and, he, and he's, he's being played by a wonderful actor uh, Matthew Reese uh-huh. from the Americans uh, the Welsh actor who, who's just terrific and uh, John Lithgow's in it and uh, Stephen Root's in it I mean some wonderful actors in it so it, um, it's uh, and it, it eight episodes and then I and I think uh, the show lives in hope of uh, you know getting a pickup I'm sure so yeah, yeah. it yeah. sounds great the good thing about uh, companies like HBO and the like is ratings are not nearly as important as perception and how right. well received it is critically and if their audience is happy with their program right right yeah, and uh, and it's definitely quality stuff. I mean, the writing's beautiful, and you know that crew's obviously top notch, and it's yeah, a lot of fun. Of all the hundreds of things that you've done in in movies and in television, what is something that's obscure that you wish people knew more, knew better? Um. I just finished this. I just finished this thing called um, "The Truth About the Harry Kubert Affair," um, which is based on a Swiss blockbuster novel. Who knew there was such a thing? Uh, <laughs> and directed by a, a, a wonderful uh, director, uh, French uh, fellow called Jean Jacques Anou, uh, and uh, oh yeah, uh, you know who, who? Quest for Fire. Quest for Fire. Yeah. And Name of the Rose. Yeah. Uh, and, um, he did another one. He won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film. Have I got the the title right? Black is the 
black is the new white or something. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. Black the is the bluest color or black something Black is it like that, that I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, um, and uh, that was cool. And, you know, uh, um, uh, the... Uh, the White Knight and Sherlock Holmes and yeah. uh, you know I, no I've, sure. had, I've had lots of cherries through, throughout my career I've really been been blessed with uh, you know uh, w- you know wonderful opportunities and um, work experiences and, and not least of which with you you know and well I, I'm, thank you uh, mentioning Sherlock Holmes reminded me of something that almost happened I was. I almost took the job of directing the um, Hound of the Baskervilles, which was the first yeah. of those home shows. I know, I know. And I scouted in Montreal and everything, and, and it just was, I just don't know what new we could bring to Hound of the Baskervilles. It's been done so many times, mm-hmm. and it would have been great. And then after I passed and went on to something else, then they cast you in it, and it was wait, wait, wait! Can no, I take that is back? It too late. <laughs> and it was too late. Oh, it, was, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would have been so much oh, yeah. fun to yeah. do that together, to where you're the lead. Yeah, you know? no, it was it was a lot of fun to do, and they and it was only supposed to be one, but they, you know, they they, they um, it was successful. Yeah, and there, and there was a, there was a really good chemistry between uh, the you know my Watson and I, and and so they rolled it off into into, into I think we did four of them. Yeah, four. Again. Yeah, but. It it was it was really really fun so and it you know obviously <clears throat> it's always fun to play the the smartest guy in the room <laughs> <laughs> is there something you really want to do that you haven't yet as far as a a, a role uh <clears throat> no i can't i can't think of anything specific but i'll i'll know it when i see it if you know what i mean uh and um uh yeah because it's all all material based you know and and if it's if it's great and it looks um challenging and i, I feel as though uh it's gonna be scary enough to do then yeah what do you yeah. watch what what are the things that have really impressed you in the last couple of years oh you know <clears throat> i'm perpetually amazed by um the quality of stuff from uh, on on Netflix. I mean, TV in general. I mean, has gone gone through the roof with you know quality wise. And to see um, shows from places like Colombia and you know Romania, and and it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to see shows that you'd never get a chance to see otherwise. But to just to see you know some of the. Uh, you know the the quality of the, of the acting, and uh, you kind of you know, I, I mean it's it's weird the landscape now because because of this uh, of all the all the streaming and there's so many shows going on. I mean I <clears throat> we were talking about this the other day. I I, I wouldn't want to be an actor coming up now because I just don't see how you get any traction because there's so many shows clamoring yeah. uh, for attention and. And certainly there's a lot of good work being done by actors who you go, oh, okay, that's probably all they could ever do if they do that over and over again. But mm-hmm. that, that peters out. So you've got to find a way of, of uh, you know, putting yourself in a situation where you can show people other things. Right. And I, I kind of recognize that uh, early on. And I, and I, I um, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't want to be doing just, sitcoms right. uh, uh you know and i turned down a, a, some really big money to be able to 
you know, put myself in a position where I could be considered for other things. And my, any shows that you want to mention that you passed I, I on? don't think I better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, my my agent at the time goes, I completely understand. And then oh. in, inevitably, a half an hour later, one an offer has just come in for you know. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh no, yeah. you know. So you you, you kind of have to uh, say no. You you. you you, you know, well, again, you're able to be true to yourself. You've got yeah. it's such a body of work, and yeah. there is never a slow time in your career. It's no, so far touch wood. I mean, I, I know I've been really lucky in the, in that regard, and and uh, and and you know, uh, yeah, to still be at the table at my age. I mean, it's yeah. great. It's 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 all gravy and and, and, no and lumps. you've and you've been <laughs> <laughs> and and you've had your own uh, Netflix experience as well. Tell me about. Altered Carbon and how that came about oh, and, yeah. and um, how that might be different from the other things you've been doing. Um, well, Altered Carbon, uh, you know, I mean, I, all the, I love all that, you know, the Philip K. Dick stuff just because of his last name. Uh, the, uh, but it, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it, it, it was a, a, I mean, it's a really cool, uh, not only, you know, genre, all that, that kind of, you know, it was sort of faux Blade Runner, really. I mean, it's Blade Runner for the small screen is really what it is. Mm. But, uh, I mean, the look of it and the money they put in, I mean, it, it was an incredible thing to do. And it, and it was a really cool character. I mean, this guy that, uh, you know, basically genetically alters himself to, you know, because you can, you can re-sleeve yourself and look however you want. And this kind of weird uh, look that he that he gave himself and he he's a fight promoter and uh, it was a uh, uh, yeah it was I, I just did a few episodes but it was uh, it, it was it was fun to do I mean it was definitely a big budget number you know yeah um, yeah it was it was fun and um, another card in the deck yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, <clears throat> well this has been great one of my favorite actors and just you can do anything and it's so much fun to be around you and i'm so glad we finally got to do this and share it with the public oh me know? too Mick. Yeah. uh i i'm blessed how generous you've been to me over the years ah, so thank it, you it's a two-way street my friend <laughs> wonderful thank you anyway matt frewer thank you so much for being a part of it and uh talk to you very soon and hope we'll be working together on the boards again soon i cannot wait If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. This is a brand new address, so don't forget it. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, MickGarrisInterviews.com. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes.
Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.